Youth ministry can always use some big ideas. Ideas that are faithful to relational ministry, but also provide some crazy, fun, and life-giving resources for youth leaders, youth in leadership, and the church. Now that's religion. This is the Big Ideas in Youth Ministry Podcast. Your source for information, discussion, and feedback in youth ministry of all shapes and sizes. Now, here are your hosts, Michelle Thomas-Bush and Cliff Haddocks. Welcome to episode number three of the Big Ideas in Youth Ministry podcast, a podcast resource for the church as we seek to be faithful to our ministry and for young people in all settings and sizes. Coming to you from Dayton, Ohio, I am Cliff Haddocks. Nice to have you with us. And we got Michelle Thomas-Bush as we have had since the beginning. Michelle, how are things going for you in Charlotte? They're great. I'm excited to be back after our Thanksgiving break. Yes. And something that Michelle and I kind of joked about in between the last show and today was that we've brought to you two very serious back-to-back episodes of the Big Ideas and Youth Ministry podcast. We've covered issues of sexual misconduct. We've covered uh, issues anxiety. of anxiety. We needed some fun. And we said to ourselves, who are some fun people that we know the most to come fun on, people in the church some of the most fun today. people in the church, to come on and talk about having fun? And uh, those two people are Sophie Manis and Lynn Turnage. So joining us, Sylvia Manis from Westminster Presbyterian Church in Nashville, Tennessee, and Lynn Turnage from Westminster in Greensboro, North Carolina. So glad you all could join us. Thank you. Thank you. Sophie's already laughing. We haven't even started talking, so I know. That's well, that, why but she's that's here Sophie. With us. She's fun. In, she's fun in everything. So. That's she probably could have even... noises construction at my church. I'm not having issues. Okay. <laughs> Well, you are having issues, but the church is also doing some construction. So their you- construction, <laughs> not digestive, two very Thank different you. things. Thank you. So, yes, 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 so. Oh my gosh, I love y'all. Well, we are talking about play today, and I think that all of us believe that play opens us up to experience God in new ways. Um, but I was talking to a young person this week who we were playing a game, and she said, "Well, what's the purpose of this? What? Why are we playing? What's the purpose of this game?" And I thought. You know, so I throw that out to y'all, Sophie and Lynn. What's the purpose of play? <laughs> Just well, a light question to start out with. Yeah. My standard answer I learned back in the darker ages um, is um, play can be an end in itself or a means to an end. And I love it when it's an end in itself because we're just um, having a good time um, uh, people are feeling a part of the action and enjoy, and enjoying it together. Uh, if it's a means to an end, it helps get something else started. And I and I would agree with all that. I also think play uh, shifts the dynamic of a group. It changes things. Um, I've watched it happen a million times in my own family, in church groups that I lead. It it shifts things. It opens things up. It it puts air, it breath, the spirit in in a place and among God's people. Well, don't you think that it helps us reclaim or restore part of something we've lost before? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Recreation for sure. And it also and and it also it it takes away it brings back some of that innocence that unfortunately we kind of strip out of some of our children in the church. You know, I, when my, when we have a thing in, in my church, when children's time, my, and, and I'll own it, it's my youngest, exuberantly <laughs> runs into the sanctuary. 
and he wants to play and he wants to frolic and he wants to have, play games as I'm trying to contain it all into a children's message. And everyone's like, we've got to calm these kids down. No. And we get into that. We want our little ones to be grown up too fast and be quiet and sit there and be, you know, be observant, good Presbyterians in their pews. And we're robbing ourselves of that joy that we should be getting in on, too. I wish everyone came running into the into the sanctuary with such exuberance. Amen. Absolutely. Yeah. They ought to be the model and the witness to um, the joy that we're supposed to be uh, engaged in. You know, what I do. I do think that the Christian faith is about joy. That's that's part of what we believe. It's not a we shouldn't apologize for finding joy in church. Absolutely. So do you think that families have changed or children or youth have changed in the way they can play today? Because I've seen that in my young people. Cliff, what about you? Um, I, I I can speak. Now keep in mind, I roll in some pretty geeky circles. And <laughs> there is definitely a huge resurgence in gaming in terms of board game play, card exactly. game play, and those types of things. That is rece- seeing a huge rebirth. Um, I, I can only, I can speak for myself. I have a, um, media center bureau at home that is full mm-hmm. top to bottom with board games. Um, everything from classics to new things that a lot of people probably haven't heard of. Um, when I go to my geek conferences, I went to a whole thing on board gaming, you know, a few months ago and, and went to all these different things and people talking about new okay, games. We, I'd like to have more out. conversation about that later. <laughs> oh, absolutely. We can. We can. Absolutely. Um, but in turn, it's something that we are consciously in our family trying to have more time that we play together. Um, because my two kids are already learning how to play on their tablets and on, or on mommy's phone. My, my youngest, who's three, wants to play games on mommy's phone constantly. And we have to balance that between, okay, well, now we're all going to play together. You're not going to play with your head down. It's we're different when you play, play together. together. Yes, yeah. much different, much different. What about Sophie Lynn? Do you see a difference in how young people play or their ability to play? Go ahead, Sophie. Yeah, yeah I think... Um... I think it's not the norm anymore. Um, I mean, when I was growing up, we would go outside and play with neighborhood kids and we'd make up our own games or ride our bikes or whatever. And we'd come home when it was dark. If somebody got hurt, we'd go to the nearest house that had a mom home and get a Band-Aid. And maybe not even report it back. (laughs) Right. It's not. (laughs) Rub some dirt in it. It's very different now. Children don't go outside and just play on their own. And I think imaginative play is not, um, that's not a norm for kids. So to ask them, and I'm a big believer that I think we need to bring our imagination to scripture. And I think one of the ways to practice that is through imaginative play and I find it definitely stretches adults, and I do think it stretches children to figure out how to bring your imagination um, to our play. Well, to have unstructured time. Right, to just figure it out. Where they don't say they're bored. Mm. Or or if they're bored, okay, so how how what can we do about that together? How can we include everybody and figure it out and have some fun? Um, I, I find that my young people sometimes will sabotage games 
because yes. they're bored, Lynn, or because mm. they don't understand. So they sabotage the play time right. because it's uncomfortable. And maybe it's a little bit vulnerable to play. Maybe. And so they they well, kind of... You have to give a little bit of yourself to add creativity to something if, if you're if you're playing if the if, if it's wide open like Sophie was saying just imagine imaginative play it's sometimes it's scary because they're graded on everything and so they think they have to succeed in whatever it is that they're um, they're creating and the that just free play thing goes away earlier and earlier I'm afraid we've talked to Cliff and I've talked about this generation a little bit and realizing that this younger generation really hesitates offering up anything of themselves freely because they are afraid of not presenting something perfect. And so I wonder if even in games and playtime that happens, that they're afraid to even jump in because what are you looking for? What do you need me to do? What's the purpose? What's the Mm -hmm. parameters of this? And this generation doesn't speak up until they have exactly what they know they should say and it's exactly the right thing for the right moment. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think they're, um, it's all that grading stuff. It's all, uh, there's some kind of element of competition. What is, I've heard too many times from my girls. Well, I don't know what so-and-so is going to think about it. Well, mm-hmm. just go, let's just go have a good time. Well, well, what if she says, I just, that just makes me sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is a lot more self-consciousness among our young well, people today. There, there's also almost a re-education of what does it mean to play a game? Because for many, a game is about competition. Someone's going to win and someone's going to lose. And that, well, if I, I, I don't want to play if I'm not going to win, you know, and and there, just understand. No, we can we can enjoy that we're playing a game here. Um, and you know, it's okay to win and lose. Exactly. It's it okay. just maybe is a different way of winning and losing. There might be, I love when people play games and the points are, you know, you get 1,383 points for this, mm-hmm. you know, when you win and the kids love it. Mm-hmm. They don't realize, right. you know, in the end, you're not going to know who won or lost. Right. Right. And if you have a fun group of, of, uh, adults usually on the side who are helping figure out how the scoring can be. It can be really random stuff. It doesn't even have to be numbers. Like what? What would you use? (laughs) Sophie and I were doing a um, crazy water Olympics. We had, we had Mark Spitz and um, I can't remember those guys' names now. We, we gave each team their score by some Olympians name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. You win 12. You, you earn 12 Michael Phelpses. Yes. And, no, no. yes. <laughs> you're Michael Phelps. Woohoo. <laughs> you're, you're so Mark you just Spitz get that. And it's... you're Mark Spitz. And we didn't give, we didn't even give a number. And, and so by they, the end of the thing, they're saying, well, who won? We said, we all did. We all had a good time. It was. And we're, we're dying laughing. They're like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> what if you. Uh, become, inside jokes. What if I, you are Dorothy Hamill? Is that a good thing or. <laughs> Right. I I also think it speaks to the importance of intergenerational play because you get the little ones in there with their natural joy and you get some people my age in there who are comfortable playing and some of the folks in the middle loosen up when they have people around them. 
who are willing to be silly and give of themselves and they figure out, oh, this is safe and it is okay. And and I, I do think whenever we're leading play, I think understanding the trust that we have and that we can break that trust in a moment or we can continue to build that trust up. So if no one is made That's to true. feel if no one's made to feel a fool then they know this is a safe place for me to give something of myself and it not be perfect. I think that is really important for our kids. Um, and to, and because that has a ripple effect in other things that we do in church, if we keep the trust level high and they if we know, humiliate them immediately in a game, right. then they're not going to trust us in worship. Absolutely. No. And there's some, there, there are some, Ways to play that are that can be very humiliating, and I just don't. I, don't, I try very hard not to ever do that, especially when there's construction noise. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think about it, this is this is an area of balance that that I I have always wrestled with because especially if you are if you're the new director or the new pastor after another has been there and there's been this history of a game that's always been there but when you look at it you're like oh my goodness this this game is awful this this game humiliates this game hurts or another one that's a big pet peeve this this game wastes food you know all of these things trying to bring an understanding of healthy play into that that we aren't here to all look at the awkward kid and laugh at him because of how this game went that is not that's not who we are um and it, it that re-education can we're be about tough. building each other up in the body of christ right yeah but but that re-education when there's a legacy of something that quote unquote has always been played and has always been fun can be difficult what what are some advice we can give people to how to transition out of a not so healthy game ethos that's been that they have inherited Oh, that's a great question, Cliff. The, uh, of course, the, what we're talking about, the uh, crazy scores of giving 5,432 points per um, uh, shot on uh, volleyball is, is one way. And, um, uh, but I think also to, um, to look for different ways to tweak the game just to make it Change more the game up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, saying that you have to have five hits on a side if you're going to do um, – volleyball before it goes over and and um if they don't get them they get them if they don't they don't you know one of the best games we played uh and lynn you may have taught it to me at some point but um we played volleyball without a ball one time where you had to (laughs) toss the ball over the net and call somebody's name so sophie this one's to you you know and as you're hitting it you know you got it and you're passing it to somebody on your team and you have to call their name but you're panamoming everything. And it was hysterical. And we were sweating at the end. And I thought we didn't even have a ball in the game. So, <laughs> so switching up the game to an extreme is yeah. a great way to like break that pattern. The, the other thing I've done is tried to build in um, some play when I train adult leaders, whether they're staff or uh, volunteers. And I will, I will plant seeds of some theology about now when I when I teach this game for me this is really important I claim it as my own but I try to put some nuggets in there about why we don't make fun of people or why 
I send two people out of the room. I'll say, because when I go out by myself, I feel stupid. I don't like to feel stupid in a game. Oh, that's great. You you know, it's, yourself, yeah. it's just little nuggets within the course of directions with my adult leaders, because then I'm planting seeds for when they are leading. Or down. modeling that game. Yeah. Leading. I'll do it with kids, too, for sure, because I want them to get the idea that we do take care of each other when we play. Yeah, I, I hate to harp on the competition thing, but I think also the competition deal is figuring out ways that, that they are competing to get something done together as opposed to beating each other. I mean, listen to the language, beating each other. Right. And, you know, I think about that silly little, and a way to get at that similar to what Sophie was just talking about is to play that game Zoom where you're sitting in a circle and you pass the, the word Zoom to the right. Yeah. And see how fast you can get it, and um, you know at the end of the at the end of, of playing that game, ask ask them who won, who won. Mm. We all won, and does it mm. matter what is what is winning? And there's mm. just there's too many places where they have a competition, and let them let them just play the game for playing the game and change it up. We're gonna go zoom this way and moves the other way. And, <laughs> yeah, and when you do, have, who won? Zoom or moves? <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> and they kind of look like. Wait, what? <laughs> but then you move to the next game really quickly, so they don't even question it. Yeah. They're just right. keeping it. Yeah. They're continuing to play. Yeah. 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 Well, I so, wanted to bring up, uh, both of you are in children's ministry now, and I wondered uh, for those of us in youth, blah, 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 let me uh, spit that out, um, those of us in youth ministry, how do we transition between children's ministry to youth ministry? What? What are some ways uh, that we can engage our children uh, so that they can move into youth ministry well? I think um, we have in our church a program we call Outrageous Outreach, um, which is fourth and fifth graders doing mission, and they do once a month. And um, it's a it's billed as a mission and fellowship time. And we normally do things away from the church just so we can have the time in the van or whatever to, for them to be together as a group. And our, our, our hope also is that that time is helps them transition into, into youth group also. Um, I have some more ideas, but somebody else talk first. Um, we do some simple things like have the youth staff come by Sunday school um, our, for us, it's a little bit different. Ours is sixth grade instead of fifth, and we transition in the middle of the year. So, oh, that's great. Um, we transition in January. Uh, once January hits, they shift over and can go on trips and stuff, and they start going to the youth gathering um, before Sunday school and then come back up to their regular Sunday school classroom. But before That's we That's a really good way to bridge it. Yeah, it's, we did. It, it's nice. The um and, and part of that has to do with our music program. There there are lots of reasons that for us it's sixth grade instead of fifth, but um I kind of like the middle of the year thing. It's something to really look forward to and celebrate. They have um eighth grade buddies, the st- the youth staff comes to the Sunday school class. I think they also do a parent meeting, which is really nice. Um so I also pull youth staff in on occasion on things I'm doing with particularly fifth grade so that those leaders are not, um, they are known to the 
kids. Because it can be intimidating to go into a group where everybody else is older. Mm -hmm. I think um, some of it also starts, um, we're in a big church, and so we have more than two (laughs) church school hours, and so the kids don't know know each other either. Mm -hmm. So um, we have to... um, uh, find some time for, for them to get together. I love the uh, parent-child things. We do um, our outreach. Outreach starts off with a parent-child event at the beginning of in August every year, and I think um, we we just don't do enough of the parent-child because that's again it's anything we can do to get um, adults calling children's names in positive ways in the hallways is is uh, is, is really helpful. Well, and that can transition into youth group. To have parent-child events and youth group is so much fun because it gives them a chance to play, too. We do a trivia night um, that Cliff, I hope, is going to help us with this year. And we have families. Now that you're putting out public, I guess I have to. Right. Uh, I'm going to keep saying it until you agree. But uh, Okay, okay, okay. We have families who sit together at tables. So, you know, my family would join Sophie's family, and we'd share a table. And the the youth are the hosts for the night. So they welcome the family to the table and then we play trivia together, which is competitive, but you know, there are ways to make it fun. You can buy mulligans and you can call a friend and um, make it really a fun night for families. And then we've had some family nights where we talk about things that are serious. Yeah, those are awesome. Sophie, you mentioned about the sexuality retreat, and uh, I was thinking about that. We, A couple of our youth offer to be available during the sexuality retreat to do some games and community building during uh, the time that parents meet mm-hmm. with the leaders. And that's been really helpful because they can learn some rules to the games, how the what we do to play, and it gives them a break from talking about sexuality for a weekend. <laughs> Yeah. And, we, and that and, seems to seems to be a good experience. And that's another great example of play because I always do what was modeled for me. At, towards the end, I put families together so that Lynn's family would all be together, but they might be with a couple of other families. And we play Pictionary. It's typically <laughs> with biology parts, but if you're all yelling those parts out while somebody's drawing it gets everybody's blushing, everybody's laughing. That's great. But then when you go home, you've already said all those words at church. So it throws open the door to keep the conversation going. So we had a young person who practiced those words with his mom just so they could win. So even they knew the history of the Pictionary of the body parts and they would practice at home so that when they came in, they would just rock. You know. That is that is the most amazing dinner conversation they had to have right. had. Okay, mom, I want us to win this game. So right. that's great. But, um, can I can I jump off of that on communication um, games too? That um, yes, game that I first knew is Owl Island. Um, they used they did it with food first, but you have three groups, and and I've done it most recently in a communication workshop with um, older youth, older children, and their and their um, parents. But we had um, uh, you build something with Legos, something small with Legos, like not no more than six pieces of Legos. They know, and they can be the different sizes and all. But um, there is a set of Legos that's put together in a particular way that's over on the island, and then um, and the uh, 
um, what do we call them? Technicians are over there and they're trying to read that. They have to communicate it to a middle group of people who are, who go off the island over onto land and on the land are the doctors or whatever you want to call them that are the specialists have the same Lego pieces, but um, they're not put together. And so you've got three groups trying to communicate what they see that nobody else sees, how they can share it, and then how it's said again and interpreted. Anyway, it's... it's, it's oh, I love this. I love this concept. It's, I love it's this concept. really... Now, do you, do you make certain you spread them out far enough away so yep. that, like... So that the people on the far ends are not hearing each other. Right. Okay. And the way the way we've done it um, most best is we have Dutch doors and so in our rooms. And so we have over behind the piano is Al Island and um, that oh, that's great. original. And then um, the middle group can go all over the room. And then the last group is right outside the door on the other side of the Dutch door. And um, so, the, and they can ask questions to each other however they want to do it. But it it makes a great um, parent-child uh, communication time. But it's also got that element of the mission project in it because you're working together, and that helps build community also. That's great. What's your favorite game right now? Do you have a game that you just love and is working really well that you know you want to share today? Me, Lynn, I'll go first. Um, I'm going to play this weekend um, uh, Pin the Heart on the Grinch <laughs> at our oh, that is festival. Great. <laughs> I'm just so excited about it. I had to look all over the Internet to find um, the right picture of the Grinch. And there's a couple <laughs> on, uh, if you do Pinterest, you can um, Google it that way. But um, to make it big enough... Um, I found something that I can enlarge, and um, then we have little uh, felt hearts. They say paper hearts, but we've got felt hearts already made that we're going to use. Um, so that that fits our Advent theme that's, that's coming up too. But I also what's your theme? One, uh, or, at, or it's just our Advent event where we have our uh, honor cards and alternative giving, and then we also have our um, um, we also have our. Um, um, Advent celebration where we do crafts and the like. That's so perfect. That's the game we all could use, I think. Uh, pin the heart on the Grinch. Yep. Sophie, do you have a favorite game right now? Um, <clears throat> probably one my kids really like. I have a really large fifth grade class with lots of active kids. So we play dead bug a lot because it's a little chaotic and is a lot of running. Um, what is that? Dead bug. Okay. So Christy Williams taught me this game. Dead bug is you split your space and people in half. So, and I have a bunch of yarn balls. You stick them all out in the middle and, um, you try to so when you when the facilitator says go anybody can grab a yarn ball if i'm if i'm playing against y'all i have to stay on my side you have to stay on your side but i can grab a yarn ball and throw it at you if you're hit by a yarn ball you lay on your back with your arms and feet up in the air and you're a dead bug Oh, but, that's great. So if Lynn's on my team it's and it's like you, dodgeball. Well and you've hit Lynn but I've I've not been hit yet. I can come tag her and resurrect her. <laughs> She's not dead <laughs> <That is> anymore. <great. laughs> 
And then and there's no I mean, there's really no way to win that game. It's just running, yelling, falling down, jumping back up. And you it's a great way if you need to kind of get some energy out of a group. Right. Um, right. To do that. And then the other thing you can play with yarn balls in that setup is try to get all the yarn balls on one side. Okay. That's really difficult uh, and doesn't really totally work, but they don't know that. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a a fun way to get energy out and then you shift and do something a little calmer and then a little calmer. And then um, for that group, if I can get some energy out and have quality 15 minutes of theological conversation, that's so much richer than yelling at them for an hour to behave. Oh, golly. Right. I'd rather get them tired and get them puppies in a pile and then have that great conversation. Um, so. <laughs> That's a great image, puppies in a pile. Yeah. I have another one that, that works for elementary. Probably do it with middle school, too. Um, but uh, it's a foot relay, and um, you have two lots of, of kids lying down on their back with their knees bent and their feet flat on the floor. And then the next person is at that person's head, only not touching their head. And um, their feet are on the floor and their knees are bent and they're lying flat. So it's a long line of people. And then they have to pass something down um, up their line using only their feet. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) So they have to grab their grab with their feet and roll back like, what do you call that in yoga? A candle, where your feet are up in the air and you're. And right. I call it impossible, but that's just me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, so you pass it with your feet. You pass it with your feet up the line, and you can do it the reverse, but the reverse is harder. Um, and it's it's great fun because they're they're doing backward backward rolls and and all, but um, and and the more um, this side of something breakable it is, the better. So. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> <laughs> so a balloon is really easy. A ball is really easy, but you know you might use a. a so do you box. progress? Yeah, you can. You could with what they what they pass, and um, and you can always do what you do. And now the church china we haven't used in ten years. <laughs> right. Let's pass one of those up the way. Like. Let's play it in the church parlor and choose uh-huh. any object you want. <laughs> <laughs> but we have to play it in the parlor as well. Right. I'm a- I'm afraid that this game used to have used to be with a banana. But that's a great example anymore. of how we change things. Yes, it yeah. is. No, don't do don't do food. Mm-mm. No, don't do right. that anymore. Well, I was uh, looking up the holiday game book, the old ideas book, and they had a great game in it um, where you have a pan of crushed ice and you fish marbles out with your toes. <laughs> and I thought that could be really fun. You know, some some big uh, pan or trough or teams and you have crushed ice in it and you're hunting marbles. Um, That could be a great Christmas game to go with uh, in the heart of the Grinch. So Cliff, you said you went to a a gaming conference recently. Is there any cutting edge board game we need to know about? Well, there's a couple that, and and there's, there's a card game that I'll, I'll tell it first, but I went to two very interesting panels. 
uh, they, we, we went to them back to back, and it was such a different feel in the room. The first one was the best of cooperative board games, and the other was the most backstabbing backstab games you can play. Oh. <laughs> um, I'm not going to recommend any of the backstabbing games to us because I don't think they would work, um, no, mainly no. because we we tried one of them, and my wife looked at me when it was done, and I did win because I was the one willing to backstab, and she said, "Well, we and you are competitive." Again. Let's be I am very competitive. She said, She said, we never play this game again. We're not. We're not playing this game <laughs> again. Um, but um, if, especially if you have – now, this one's more high school age. Um, but there's a board game called Pandemic. It's only for four players. I would put this out for some of your younger, uh, maybe smaller youth groups. Um, it's four players, five if you get an expansion, but four – and the goal is to prevent a disease from ta- diseases from taking over the world. Oh, that's and you great! Each have, you each have different roles, and you're playing against the game. You're not playing against each other. You're working a, together to prevent that's a great it from way happening. To deal with the game. Um, and you can set the difficulty by, by which cards you put in and take out. But it can be a very hard game to win. That is the frustrating thing. You mm. you have to be okay saying if we lose, it's okay. That we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna use our talents because each player has different abilities and you have to use them all together to try to make uh, to get the diseases cured and try to prevent them from taking over the world. Um, Even on a retreat, another... that would be great oh, yeah. because you could have yeah. four or five different groups playing the game in different places. Yep. Yeah. There's another one called Flashpoint. It's also cooperative. You're firefighters fighting a fire inside of a building. So you're working together to accomplish the goal. Oh, um, and good. you flip. And All you flip of us are taking notes, real... by the way. Just okay. I, I'm making a, now, I'm watching if you're, <laughs> if, if you're my people, if you're a nerd like me, uh-huh. there is a Harry Potter battle for Hogwarts Ooh. cooperative card game. Uh-uh. Oh, that sounds that, good. That someone got for my wife and it's one of our favorites. And my daughter's learning to play it now. And she's seven. And the way that it works, it's another cooperative card game. And there are four, you can play up to four main roles of either Harry, Ron, Hermione, or Neville. And I love Neville, so I always want to be Neville. Um, (laughs) And you're working against um, the Death Eaters and the Dark Arts folks. Now, here's the amazing twist that I love. People say, I'm not good at a complicated game. Perfect. This is the game for you, because here's what they do. They start off with the simplest set of rules and the smallest amount of cards that you're playing with to try to defeat them. And that's, quote, unquote, book one. Uh And after you defeat the first game, then you take out book two. And the book two villains come in. And book two spells come in. And book two abilities. And the game gets more complicated with more rules, but you have to gradually beat them to go on to the next one. Now, let me say, we have not yet got past Gobble to Fire. It's getting hard. It's getting very hard. But it's really cool, especially for someone who's not comfortable with a cooperative card game style to start easy and build it up. And again, you're either all winning together or you're all losing together, but you're all having fun. Is it called? And you want to play again. Your family wants to play because you still have to get through the Goblet of Fire. Exactly. Exactly. It's it's, um, the Harry Potter Battle for Hogwarts game. Nice. But that's also how you teach a game that has a lot of layers. You start with Mm -hmm. one layer, let everybody get used to it. And I'm squat tag is the game I'm thinking of. 
and then you add another layer, let everybody play for a little bit, and then you add another layer. You don't pile all the layers on at once. And then again, that's keeping the trust level high so everybody's having fun and everybody's engaged. That's I awesome. love that. I'm going to order that one. Well, let me ask you. Oh, we, it's uh, a lot of fun. Can I Go ask ahead. Um, yeah. What about um, somebody's recommended to me Forbidden Island and Forbidden Desert board games? As oh, games? Uh, those are ones I have not played. I've heard them mentioned, mm-hmm. but I haven't heard them played. Um, there is if if you want a little bit of competition. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think of some ones that the, the I mean, those are the bit, the best cooperative ones I know of. Um the ones that you're hearing a lot about, a lot of people playing Settlers of Catan. That's a big, that's Love a big it. one that's out there. Everybody, a lot of people play it. Um, there's I can't a find brand, anybody to play. <laughs> I, I, people either love it or hate it. it. It's not a lot of middle ground for Settlers of Catan. Um, there's oh, what are some other new ones that I really like? A, a new one that we like uh, is called, and it's kind of an interesting take. Um, I mean, I know that Sophie, if I asked her, she could tell me a million different games to play with dice. And you think, oh, another game with dice? No, this is different. The game is called Dice Forge, F O R G E, and the way it works is you're you're trying to accumulate points, like in most games, but you're able to use resources that you earn to upgrade your dice, meaning you take the faces off the dice and put new ones on that make them more powerful. And you're always rolling. You're always rolling. You know how a lot of times it's like, okay, some person rolls and it goes to the next person and everybody watches the rolls go around the table. No, you have your set of dice that you have the whole game and that you roll on everybody's turn. But it's all in how you upgrade your dice and your resources to make your dice better. And you're competing over other cards, and you're competing over the card faces. But it, it, it it's a game that does have some wide swings to it that makes it a lot of fun. Again, this is a competitive game. Someone will win, and three people will lose. But it's one of the more interesting new games. I, I had only seen it for the first time this year when I was at Dragon Con, and we ordered it on the way home because we loved it so It's much. a board. Um, no, it's a board. It's a board-like game. Um, you don't really move around the board. You have a little placard in front of you that you move points across. That you're each keeping track of the points in front of you, um, and you play. A, uh, you played a certain set of rounds, and it's whoever accumulated the most points in that amount of time. Speaking of a dice game, we uh, brought out Tenzi uh, at the last retreat, and we have a a Tenzi bag that has twenty different pair of dice in it, and that has become what the kids want to play every night when they come into the youth group. So we can set out the bag of dice and they just go and they're quiet sitting on the floor, you know, and up to 20 people. Oh, wow. Do you play the, st- do you play the tower tensies? We play all different versions. Now you have to just, if okay. they're leading it, you know, but sometimes I'll say, okay, what about uh, when you steal a dice tensy, you know, you could steal from oh, a neighbor yeah. when they roll your number. I do like Tenzi's too. That's another good one. Yeah. Our I love games is... that can sit and learn quickly. Right. I like a game that you can yeah. pick up and just roll with yeah. quickly. One of our favorites is Don't Left get me wrong. Right. I love I, I love a game that comes with a, a novel for instructions too. I love those too, but that doesn't always but work easy <laughs> for a group. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We play a left center right or left right center on mission trips too when you have a language barrier. And that's been yeah. fun for us. Sophie, did you teach us that game? How does it go? 
It's a left, center, right. It's a dice game. You can buy three dice uh-huh. that have L, C, R, and a dot on it. And you roll it, and if it's... When you play with families, sometimes you can play with quarters, and I've heard of some families who play with dollars. Everybody starts with three quarters. Mm-hmm. And then if you get a left or a right or a center, that's where the quarter goes. So it goes to your left, it goes to your right, or goes to the center. And there is a winner, but there's n- it's all luck. I mean, it, there's no skill to it. Right. So mm. somebody can get put back in the game if, you know, you're out of quarters or Hershey Kisses or, you know, Jolly Ranchers. <laughs> um, somebody can get a left and instantly you're in the game again and you can win after being out for six hands. Yeah. So it's, yeah. A, it's a little bit of excitement and it's a quick game. Well, thank y'all. This has been a lot of fun thinking about how we can uh, play in the church. Any any other things that you think about are important for us to know or for our listeners to know about playing in the church? I think I'll, I'd be bold in some of the stuff that, that Sophie was saying about um, uh, the purpose of uh, games and playing being uplifting and trust building and everybody's included are so basic and I'm amazed at how often we still have to um, I feel like that was new to me 30 years ago and that by now everybody would know that you need to play nicer with each other. <laughs> There's so much other competition oh, yes. in the world that I, I hope we'll get, get and keep well, that. Open. We need to say that over and over again though. Yep. We play do. nice. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yep. I also think if you go to Ecclesiastes, where it says there's a time for every season under heaven, I still am fully convinced that when we laugh with others, it makes it um, more meaningful to be there when we cry with each other. There's there's mm-hmm. there's a new depth when we have laughed with each other. Um, I'm just I'm just fully convinced of that. Yeah, I agree. Great, great words. Well, I, 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 I think back that some of my most profound, like bonding moments I've had with people, like at a conference, is two o'clock in the morning, and we're still playing brain fog. and just giggling, you know, giggling. and just and just giggling yeah. and be uh, dancing and being goofy yeah. and just having a great time. Yeah, that's yeah. That the, the, those are 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 very fond memories. Well, I still see people that I play brain fire with you know 25 years ago and i every time i see him i think i know one quote or one phrase they used in brain fry um Mm -hmm. and i and i laugh every time i see them so it's a great connection yeah yeah i think games like that are coming back too because people just want to play and they haven't played so even simple games like bippity bop bop or zoom you mentioned earlier the kids are loving those because it's simple and fun and they get a chance to just laugh with each other. And that's important for us to build community. Well, that's going to do it for another week of the big ideas in youth ministry podcast. We invite you to join us in the big ideas in youth ministry, Facebook group. That's where we get some ideas and get some thoughts. Um, I, I want to put a quick fun challenge out to you. I'll give you just a moment to think about it. I'm going to want to hear from you. Your favorite would you rather? Oh, that's great. That's great. What's your what's your everyone's favorite would you rather? My favorite go-to would you rather is would you rather shoot Hershey kisses out of your nostril or ketchup out of your belly button? <laughs> that's my go-to all the time. 
<laughs> so, Wheatland, what about y'all? Do you have a go-to? Or Cliff, what about you? Mine has always been, though, would you rather would you would you rather have to fight 10 horse-sized ducks or 100 horse-sized or 100 um horse uh, uh, duck-sized horses or something That's like great. that yes well, mine has to be would you rather go uh, it's way more simple than that um would you rather go parachuting or walk a tightrope okay well, that's great parachuting or walk a tightrope so if you got one i don't know uh, so how about superpowers? Would you rather fly or be invisible? Mm. And that's great because would you rather do a podcast with construction going on around you or right. <laughs> with those with those duck things? I think I'd rather be invisible <laughs> <laughs> with those creepy horse sized ducks. Okay, well, where can everybody find you if they wanted to connect with you or ask you a question about anything that they heard from you today? You can find me on Sophia Lynn. You're both on Facebook. Yep, yep, Facebook or church website. They can email me, whatever. It's fine. I'm here. Um, Facebook and easiest, fastest way. And I do Messenger on Facebook a lot. You can find me at uh, RevMTB at AOL.com. Cliff, what about you? You can find me at RevNGeek at Gmail as well as on Twitter. This has been the Big Ideas in Youth Ministry podcast. Join us in the Big Ideas in Youth Ministry Facebook group to be part of the ongoing conversation.